Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 128. Today my guest is Kirk Frankish of Patterson Agriculture up in Canada, up in Saskatchewan, Canada. So Kirk, how you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing, Keith? I'm doing okay, buddy. You know, today is uh, kind of a special thing. I've, I ran into you on uh, on LinkedIn. We kind of started chatting back and forth, and I asked you to be on the podcast, and so here we are. But, Kurt, it's the first time I've ever actually had a, had a chance to meet you. So, you know, uh, pleasure to meet you. I'm glad you're on the podcast. You know, look forward to, to working with you here in the future and, and seeing how things work out between our two dealerships. But tell me a little bit about, uh, about your dealership and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me on board. Uh, First off, I'd just like to say, uh, you know, our hearts and prayers are out to the farmers in the Midwest there that are going through the flooding. That's uh, certainly an issue. We've got a little bit of that going on in some areas, probably more to come, but uh, we're thinking about those guys as well. We're all in this uh, together. But uh, Patterson Agriculture is a John Deere group up here in Western Canada. We have 19 locations in Saskatchewan and a couple in Manitoba. We're part of the uh, Jim Patterson Group, which is probably one of Canada's uh, best treasures as far as an entrepreneur. Um, Mr. Patterson is uh, 90 years old, but he still comes out and visits with farmers and us dealers and makes sure we're, uh, we're under control. So uh, we are part of a, a legacy group of a couple different dealers that come together a few years ago, and then in 2017, we formed Patterson Agriculture. So uh, our big thing up here is... Uh, Canola, of course, uh, grains, pulses. Uh, we're running into a little bit of an issue with the, the canola up here right now with China, but uh, we'll get through it. But uh, I myself have been in the uh, dealership side for about 20 years now. Previous to that, we farmed in southern, Ari- southern Alberta and also southern Arizona down in the Yuma area. At one time, I custom harvested for years as well. And, and back in the, the late 90s, my father passed away and... Uh, Life changed, so I came on to uh, the dealership side, been involved with some of the other colors a bit as well, and I've uh, been with Patterson here now for eight months, so uh, it's nice to be in the green side. Right on, right on. Okay, man, well, let's uh, let's talk about a few issues that are out there on that are, that are uh, kind of affecting some stuff that happened up in Canada as far as uh, the movement of, of equipment goes. So before we got started, you were talking about, and as you previously mentioned here, um, some issues you're having with canola and, and uh, getting that stuff over to China. And uh, so talk about that a little bit and how that's affecting everything that's going on up there in your neck of the woods. Well, and I mean, the timing's been, been rough on, on the farmers up here. This, this all just come down in the last couple of weeks and some more bad news last night. Um, but essentially, there's, there's a political issue going on with the uh, executive from Huawei, and we're kind of in the middle of it. There's a extradite treaty to go into the U.S. for this uh, CFO, and, and I'm not sure if it's involved with the canola or not. Uh, I've got my uh, opinion, but that's mine. But uh, So they stopped. Um, 
importing from one of our larger canola companies. And last night they, they basically said all of it now. Um, so we're, we're kind of stuck there. And of course, everyone's rebought seed and, you know, got their planning all done. And now everyone's trying to shuffle around because we really don't know what's going to happen, how fast it's going to get dealt with. Uh, I believe it's around 40% of our canola crop goes to China. So that's a really big impact on us. Um, so we've got to sort through that. And then the past couple of years, um, you know, we grow a lot of pulse crops, peas and lentils in this uh, southwest side of Saskatchewan where the Swift Current store is. And that's uh, part, of the, part of the province that I look after. And uh, we had an issue with India on canceling some contracts too. So we've had some challenges. We're a very uh, strong group in, in Western Canada of agriculture people, and we will get through it. Um, but just like in any part of North America, we've always got our challenges. Um, so, we'll, so we'll get through it. It's just it's tough when everyone's you know got their plans made and seed bought, and now we got to shift gears a little bit. Yeah. So we are rolling into spring here. And, you know, depending on where you're at in the U.S., it's either you've gotten a ton of rain or a ton of snow or both and um, kind of been fighting through that. Um, doesn't look like we're going to have too many drought-stricken areas down in this part of the U.S., uh, in the major growing areas anyway. It looks like we're going to be fighting more of a oversaturation issue than anything. How has the weather been up in Canada, and, and how is the uh, any drought situations that are popping up there? Well, and that's been another one of our issues here in the southwest part of Saskatchewan. Uh, we had a little bit of rain last fall and a little bit of snow cover, but it, it's, it's enough to get us going, but we're really going to need some more over here. And then some of our northern and eastern stores, uh, they've been in quite a bit of snow, so they're looking pretty good. Uh, our, our other main store in Yorkton, there was two canola crush plants around there, so canola is a huge crop, um, and they get a little bit of a weather challenge on snow in the fall and, and again in the spring melting it off. Uh, but some beautiful ground up there and some beautiful crops. But so we'll see this one part of our trade area. We're on both sides of the province and one, this, this area has been dry for two years and we're showing shape enough to get started, but we definitely are going to need some more uh, to, to get a nice crop. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to be um, one of the flip side with us. I feel like there's a, we have, we've gotten so much water that there's a lot of folks that, that didn't get a lot of their, uh, <clears throat> fall tillage work done so that's going to be uh kind of up against the eight ball a little bit on some of the stuff here when it comes time for planting but we still got a little yet, little ways yet to go um looks like the weather's going to be somewhat cooperative um in areas that aren't flooded out anyway and uh we'll see what that looks like but it's going to be a challenge just like every year you know there's never a year i think that hasn't been yeah. a challenge that <clears throat> on some level one way or the other whether it's commodity prices or weather events or just whatever you know shortage of something and this that, the other thing so it'll be a uh interesting spring as normal and and uh we'll get through it just like we always do um okay so let's jump in and start taking a look at some equipment now so you got some issues up there with uh canola and and uh and in canada there's been a lot more uh every year gets to be a bigger and bigger deal when it comes to direct cut canola correct yeah. Okay. So now you're you've kind of switched away from the windrower kind of approach and and going back and with a pickup head and that kind of thing and just doing more platform style heads with your with your combine. So I would I would imagine that the combine cells that you probably had five years ago have 
have incrementally increased every year to where you're at now, and there's got to be some issues there with just uh, just that, that overall supply of combines out in the Canadian market. Well, exactly, and we've, uh, you know, like you say, we've gone more to the straight cutting side of the, the canola, and same with the cereal crops up here, and we've uh, we've been traditionally very strong uh, combine sales, you know, up, up around 200 a year in, in some cases, and you know, we've just gotten saturated. Uh, I think today we're sitting around 217 machines, um, around uh, probably about the same, and in, in, in draper heads, you know, lots of 635s and FDs, uh, you know, lots of that. You know, now we're going into the 700 series. We've got a lot of those as well. And, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're coming up with some new uh, methods of inspections and, and uh, programs to help that second user get into these machines and, you know it's tough. We're all we're all fighting for the for, for the same market sometimes, and you know in this saturation market, it, it's been kind of driving prices down, not helping any of us really. But um, you know we've we've just certainly got to get uh, get these values back up on this iron, and we're trying to do it like I say with inspections and, and uh, green light scenarios and running them through the shops so our customers know exactly what they're buying and different categories. So. You know, it's uh, we've got to get through this uh, sprayers as well. We've we've got too many sprayers, but we're starting to get that under control a little bit here through the spring. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, combines are are a tough one. Yep. As you look at your <clears throat> as you look at your customer base now, and you look across the inventory that you have, how much do you feel like your customer or your your inventory base is is driven by commodity prices? And let's say we had a a 50 or 60 cent jump in, in the price of corn and across the across the markets. How much effect would that have on, on your oversupply of, of combines? Oh, I, I think it would be a huge, huge difference. Um, part of our issue in the Southwest again has been the, the crop. So it doesn't matter what the price of it. If it isn't there, you know, you got, right. don't have much to work with. That's exactly right. So that's, uh, that's some of our guys and, you know, they have to shift their planning around as, as to how they, you know, budget their machinery buys. And um, But, yeah, I mean, again, with this issue with China, that's knocking our canola prices down. That's traditionally our, our good cash crop that we can kind of bank on and, you know, do some, you know, Durham's a big crop in, in southern Saskatchewan as well. And, that, uh, you know, that market's getting affected by a few things as well. But, uh, yeah, commodity prices, if they come up, our combines over here are more your small grades, right? So we, yeah. we don't run a lot of the market issues. Uh, we do have some that we can can get into that market, uh, but mostly small grains. And and you know it's it's tough when we have this many machines to move. Yep. Yep. So what is the uh, what is the what's the combine of choice right now? So you start looking at are you seeing more of a migration from a class seven to a class eight or a class eight to class nine? I mean. Um, I know you have a shorter harvest window in, in the fall, especially than, than what uh, what we're used to down here in, in the uh, in, in the U.S. So, is bigger better, or is it is there some trickle back one way or the other from from what you see normally? Well, we get up to our northern areas where we we run into weather issue, moisture, mm-hmm. you know, tough straw, that kind of stuff. We need the horsepower to get through that. So, a lot of the you know class nines. 690, 680s up there. Some of them are running four-wheel drive kits because of the moisture. Um, you know, so it's kind of more 680s to the south, 690s to the top end, but 
we're running a lot of 40, 45 foot drapers, uh, a lot of Macdon stuff as well. We have, um, you know, so it's in that class eight and nine area is, is the majority. I would say those two are 90% of ourselves. You know, we, we do have some class seven stuff, uh, that we were actually just talking about this morning. Some, some of our, uh, other colonies are interested in some seven mm-hmm. seventies right now. So that was nice to get a little more diversification, uh, we were actually down at Kamani Classic here a couple of weeks ago. We had a, a booth for our used side, our pre-owned, and a lot of those guys were wanting 660, 670, so, I mean, really not our, our marketplace for some of them guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> a little different down when you get to the deep south like that. The combines and overall machine size just gets a little smaller than what, what you see here in the central part of the U.S. It's, um, I don't know if it's field size or, or for sure what it is, but there is a... Uh, there's usually a little bit difference there in, in size, especially when you start looking at horsepower and stuff like that on, on, on tractors and stuff. So it's a it's a bigger deal. So um, one thing I've noticed around here, and, and curious to get your opinion on this, four-wheel drive marketplace is one of those ones where three-point PTO is getting to be a bigger part of that. Uh, kind of the, the idea of a bareback tractor anymore is kind of a that's an odd an odd idea. So. Talk about that a little bit, a little bit, and what you see happening in your area when you look at four wheel drives. Well, and we uh, we sell a lot of uh, RX John Deere tractors up here. Yeah. Um, they got to have a PTO with these big combines. We got big grain carts. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's some two thousand bushel carts running around on a lot of these track machines. And of course, you get the the larger heads and you know the the bigger duels and the wheeled versions. You know, you get pretty close to those heads. So lots of uh, RXs. Up here, you know, the 9620 RXs, I think we've got around 23 or 5 in inventory right now used. So that's a big part. We we do see a little bit of a shift where some of the guys are maybe wanting to go back to wheels a little bit. Uh, a lot of a, you know, a price pinch on some of that stuff now. Um, we do have a lot of large growers, farmers up here. Some are farming 30, 40, 50, 100,000 acres and running 20 combines and you know, eight or 10 air drills, you know, and putting in big acres. So, um, you know, a lot of them are in these mud deals where they want to keep swapping out and we're, you know, we're trying to manage that a little bit better as well. Um, you know, we like the trades, but we like to make money on the trades too. Absolutely. No, I, I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. So yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a never ending battle with that. It's just the balancing act that you do. You know what I mean? It's, there's a, trying to make it work for everybody and it, it, sometimes it just you have to do what you have to do sometimes and and i think that's kind of been a a measure that we've taken through over the last three or four years i think as a as a whole is we just kind of make things happen and and do the best we can and manage our way through what we can and what and then fix what we can't you know what i mean and so it's just a it's a it's a struggle and never any battle and i'm sure it's always going to be like that i don't think it's ever going to change so yeah. <laughs> it'll be one of Keep us things. on our toes, that's for sure. That's for sure. That is for sure. So I'm hoping that you'll get this thing figured out so I, I don't have to keep worrying about it and you can just give me that silver bullet that makes everything work right. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> I think if, if one of us figures it out, we're the, we're the golden child then. So. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have to uh, probably work too much harder if we figured it out very right away. So. <laughs> All right, so exactly. <clears throat> I want to get back to this canola thing. So I, I, this is this is new. I didn't, I haven't been following that like I like I thought. I didn't realize it was happening. And and, and then 
what's that doing? So all of a sudden here in the last couple of weeks, you said you know, this is kind of when it started taking place. Had there been any kind of sense moving up to these last couple of weeks that something like this was going to come down the pike? Well, I think it really caught us on the ag world off guard. Uh, but, and, and again, I've, I've, it's an opinion, a uh, strong opinion that I think our community shares. But, um, you know, the, the, the executive from Huawei has houses in Vancouver and they, um, the U.S. has kind of been watching that because there's, there's some, you know, embargo issues, I guess, in other countries. And mm-hmm. so they, she was asked to be detained and, and she was, and, and Canada did its obligation as we always do, um, as a good corporate or, you know, world citizen. And, and, uh, you know, then all of a sudden there were some Canadians got detained over there for odd reasons. And again, I'm not blaming anybody or anything, but there's just some stuff going on. And, and all of a sudden one of our green companies got, uh, contracts canceled couldn't couldn't move anymore and there was some chatter that it was blamed on on insects but there's no proof of that or anything that i've seen yet and and then all of a sudden last night it's not just the one company it's all of the canadian canola and that's like i say 40 percent of our crop goes to one country it really affects what's going on and i mean i've been at some grower meetings here the last couple weeks and everyone's you know, hope, hoping something good will come fast before we get into the field, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. So, a lot of you know seed challenges going on now. What are we going to plant in that in that place? And and you know, and is that seed available to purchase? Because everyone, you know, everybody plans ahead. All right. So, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's a uh, and and just one more thing of to stack uncertainty on top of right. So we've been. This whole overall, I mean, you look at even spring wheat prices right now. I mean, they're, I think it's probably below production right now. If you go look and see what's on the board, so then you figure basis into that and everything else, and and you guys are struggling with uh, with rail rail car anyway, just because of the oil sands and those kind of things coming out. So yeah. your your basis is is something that's got to be on the mind of your producers. Well, and I mean, like. A good point, the rail cars. I mean, we can't get our oil from the prairies to export because we don't have the facilities. And, you know, uh, there's, there's there's different ideologies of what we should be doing with, with the oil. But, I mean, that's what made Western Canada. It's, it's almost like a Texas or North Dakota. Right. You know, there's right. great oil, great, you know, uh, they built some great towns out here. And we're, we're struggling because... Our two best commodities in Western Canada are, are kind of hijacked at the moment, and like I said before, we're tough people, you know. But it's 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 nice to to take the family out for supper and you know go to hockey games and, and enjoy life, not worrying so much. But one way or another, we'll get through it, and we'll we'll be slinging iron and having fun doing it. Yeah, he talked about something called hockey. I'm not familiar. What what is what is hockey? <laughs> Yeah, a little black thing we take around, and part of our uh, heritage and our DNA, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got everybody here plays hockey or curls, and if you don't do that, you're building some wicked farm equipment like an air drill uh, in the shed all winter. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty good talent, whether it's hockey or building. So. Yeah, yeah. I got some other buddies of mine that are up in Canada, and I'm always giving them crap about about hockey I went to a my favorite joke is uh i went yeah. to a boxing match and a and a hockey game broke out you know so it's one of those things yeah yeah, that's yeah. hockey hockey's a cool sport man I, I like to watch it don't quite understand it as well as i probably should but it's a 
it's definitely a physical sport, and that's what I that's why I like watching it. But yeah. well, and it's it's kind of like agriculture. There's still a little bit of wild west into it. We're can uh, have um, fun, maybe get ruffled up a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, that's that's who we are. And so, at current, we've got a WHL team here, Western Hockey League, and that's kind of our our thing in the winter. Everyone goes to that. Patterson Agriculture is a big part of the. Making sure those boys uh, get to their their games and everything, and uh, yep. you know, so that's definitely part of our our lifestyle. Yeah. Yep. No, it's a lot of fun. Those those things are a lot of fun. We had a had a CHL team back in Wichita, where I'm from, that would that the Wichita Thunder, and they did that. They were fun to go to. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good place to go drink yeah. a few beers and watch uh, watch some guy get slammed into the glass. Yeah. I think there's a few uh, tractor deals done at the hockey games here, that's for sure. Well, too. I imagine there probably is. I'm sure you guys get a lot of work done during those hockey games. So speaking of tractors, um, how, how is your real crop tractor, four-wheel drive tractor market looking? Is there, is there some strength there that, that's kind of supportive to the to the overall market you guys see and, and are guys updating their, their equipment as uh, – are they more focused on um, doing some just some major repairs to stuff that needs to be done? Well, we've got a bit of a unique market on, uh, for, as far as row crop, we, we really don't have a lot of those other than tour tractors that our livestock industry uses for, for feeding. So like 8,000 series, uh, we really don't have a lot of them. I think we've got four used in inventory right now, a couple tracks, a couple wheels. Um, you know, and everything's a big four-wheel drive, air drill. You know, we, we tend to direct seed a lot. There's a little bit of high-speed tillage going on now. So you got to have that big four-wheel drive horsepower to get the crop in like we're running a lot of air air drills now that are like 86 foot for goes that that you you need good hydraulic power and, and good pulling power to get through some of these hills and and so a lot of our stuff is that you know five six hundred up in there is a lot of our inventory um and then we have a like i said the chore tractor market in that you know 150 to 250 range a little bit of the hay tool market for that as well um, but it's kind of a, a big or a little. There's there's really not a lot in between. There are some of the, maybe the older farmers that, that uh, are running, you know, the smaller wheeled stuff and pulling 40 to 60 feet. There's not so much of that anymore. But uh, that that is another one of our challenges are these, these bigger air drills. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of second homes for them. And, you know, they cost a lot of money to purchase. And then that second go-around of... Uh, um, you know the buyers a little bit tougher to ha- find because you don't have the hydraulics or the the horsepower to pull that big of an implement and if you don't have a pto you know for your grain cart in the fall it doesn't make sense either so right but pretty much anything new coming in now you know got ptos on it and big pumps and of course gps and john deere uh, that's a huge part now the technology side mm-hmm. so everyone's always Absolutely. upgrading to that and, and very important part of our industry where we're pretty tech savvy up here. I was at a growers conference last week, and even though there were some some older boys around me, the notes they were taking and what they were writing down, they're they're dialed in. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fun to see. I can imagine just what the just the overall growing season that you all have, and how much shorter it is, and everywhere else that just max efficiency has got to be such an important part of of every. Even not that it's not in all form on all on all different farms, but especially up north where it's just such a short growing cycle and, and maximizing yields and, and making sure that you get everything documented that you can get documented so you can improve or change or yeah. whatever it is next year. It's got to be a big deal. 
Pilot, again, that technology, and like you said, the weather windows are are big crunch, and, and that's what peels these these you know class nine combines and you know eighty six foot air drills is you you only got so much time to get it in and only so much time to get it out, and our weather seems to be a little bit more sporadic the, the last couple of years, and yeah, you know you could traditionally sometimes harvest into November on up, up north, and now you could have three feet you know in, in September you know so. A lot of that stuff will sit out there ready to go, and then it just comes, you know, when everything's frozen up so solid. Uh, we even had guys last year, you know, going at minus 20 where it's kind of freeze-dried. And, you know, we had grain dryers running, you know, deep into January. Just, you know, you go by a farm and it's just steaming, you know, trying to dry that grain down and, you know, not get it heating up on you. And, you know, there's always something farming. We all know that. It's you know, it always grabs you by surprise, but we get through it. Yep. Yeah. There's always, there's always, by the time you got it figured out, something pops up on you. So yeah, you never have yeah, anything figured absolutely. out. Every year is different than the year before. That's, that's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so let's take a look now at what, what are some of the, uh, some of the, I mean, we talked about combine as a pain point and, and, and that, but what, what are some other issues you see out there hitting the Canadian market right now that are, that are going to be some, some issues you're going to have to deal with here in 2019? Well, one of the things up here too, is there's uh, we've got a large auction company up here called Richie brothers and share with you guys in the U S yep. uh, they're a lot more concentrated in our farm sales here, as well as the, the big yard sales. And, uh, they move a lot of iron, um, and unfortunately, sometimes that sets our values a little lower than than we would like. So that's a bit of a challenge. Unfortunately, us dealers at times have to use use the auction companies. But uh, sometimes it gets going a little bit too far where it uh, really starts changing the, the asset value of, of those trade prices. And so we've got to keep a really good, strong eye on that. And, um, you know, that's... That's to me one of one of our our strong issues that we've got to watch, and of course rolling into this spring is going to be this canola, but um, you know it, it's it's shaping up in some of our locations to be a a good spring with the uncertainty the equipment sales, you know you can always hold off a year or two at a combine if you have to, but you need your crop inputs you need your seed and your fertilizer and your chemical and all that to get through so sometimes we get passed on you know to that next you know next year type attitude and so it's tough i mean it affects us all and that's where we're trying to get more dialed in on our inspection process and our advertising process so when that customer is interested we can get them to the sale a lot quicker and you know but it, it is a challenge when when you don't know what you really should be growing because of some other issues going on um, so we've, we've got to manage that expectation. Uh, we've got a great team of managers here at Patterson Ag and staff that, that can, can help analyze that and direct us the right way. But it's, uh, it's certainly challenging. Yep. Yeah. And I think everything that you pretty much said there is kind of going to be a similar, I mean, it's the same thing down here. We're uncertainty in the marketplace, uh, commodity thing. We have our China issues as well, which I'm, I'm sure or you know about all that stuff. You know, we're looking at some flooding right now and how that's going to affect spring uh, planning and, and and what that looks like. Um, so, I mean, we have a fair amount of issues as well. Um, 
but I will say that the issues we have, you know, the, the China thing, if we can get it figured out and get that thing back on the table, we should be, uh, that'll put some certainty back in the market. Um, and, uh, you know, if there's a, a planning delay or something like that, we could start seeing some support that could bring up, uh, you know, bring up all the, all the crops, you know, high tide yeah. raises all ships type of thing. So I think, think there's some, there's some positive things I see happening out there. I feel like, you know, going into summer, we're going to have a pretty decent, um, commodity price. Um, just be based on our carryouts and stuff where we're at. So knock on wood, hopefully this 2019 is the year we can kind of say, yeah, this is the year that things changed, hopefully for the better and, and keep things moving forward. So that's, uh, yeah, we have a, an election year, in Alberta, you know, shortly here in, in April, and then, of course, the federal, you know, in all of Canada in, in October, I believe. They haven't called it yet, but that's traditionally where it is. And I think uh, if things change there, of course, there'll be a little bit of uh, hope for a while in, in some areas if, it, if things change in the right direction. I'm not trying to be political, but uh, in Saskatchewan, we've got a pretty strong, you know, political uh, leadership here that's, that's far more orientated for sure, which helps us keep the eye on, on the agriculture ball and even on the oil. So I think if we can get a little bit of change, maybe some of the policies will be relaxed and we can move forward on some pipelines and, you know, moving some of this green a little better as well to ports. So, you know, not trying to be political, but there's there's definitely a, an element in there. Yeah, we got the same problem too, man. Some Some people actually get it and know what they're talking about. Other people should not talk about the stuff they're saying because they don't have a clue what they're talking about. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, it's a... Well, it caused some irritation, you know, with, with the wrong people right away. Certainly not about that, but, you know, it's, uh, it definitely affects the energy of the country and especially in our community of agriculture. And uh, But again, we'll get through it. We always do. We're tough yeah. people and uh, proud people and just like... Y'all down south. So. Yep. Yep. Now we're the same way, man. We got our dumbasses too. So it's all, it all comes out. It, uh, I can go for days on that, but I won't. Yeah. I won't. Um, yeah. So looking out there, rest of 2019, um, you feel bullish, you feel bearish, you feel like you got a little hump to get over and things going to be all right. Or do you have some concern kind of leading into what you see happening going into spring and summer? Well, I always like to be very optimistic, you know, about things to come. Um, but it's, there's a hump there. And with the uncertainty of it is, is probably the biggest right. concern everyone has here is, is this something we can overcome in, in a month or two? Or is this going to be an impact for a year or two, you know, on our canola? We don't know. Again, on the moisture in the southwest part of Saskatchewan, we've got enough to put a crop in, but... Is it enough to take a good one off? Certainly not. So, you know, as all of us ag people like to complain about the weather, but uh, we, we're going to need some more once we, we get things going. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we also have the, the tariff on our steel up here, 5% on our equipment. So yeah. that's a bit of a, a hurdle, too. And we all understand the, the reasons for it up here to do with uh, global trade and that kind of stuff. Uh, so we understand the reasons, but... Sometimes it hurts, and, and I know just talking to people at the Commodity Classic that, you know, a majority of the people seem to be behind what's going on, but uh, there is some pain involved to, to get to the other side, and, and I guess that's where we're at as well. Yeah, no, that's, 
that patience thing is starting to wear a little thin, I think, on a lot of people. Um, we're heading into almost a year here of of this this trade war and, and tariffs and everything else that are in the mix, and um, I totally get it. I do, and I mean, we got to kind of play a little bit of a long game here, but after a while, there's got to be some some give with some take, yeah. you know, and hopefully we can get that yeah. worked out. I think one of the the best things that's coming now is. Uh, Spring fever starting to kick in. It's not minus 30 and 40 like it had been last month. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had a lot of water moving around here. So, I mean, you can start smelling the dirt again. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's got everybody excited. But, um, you know, now it's, now it's getting the crop in and getting things going and get back to doing what we do, uh, what we enjoy. And so that's, that's a positive. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of I'm I'm kind of in the same boat you're at. We got a hump to get over. Once you go over that hump, I think it's going to be great. And I think going through 2019 into the end of the year and stuff that we're we're going to be in a pretty good pretty good spot. So, you know, knock on wood, I I hope that we can get over all those different humps and and make things uh make things good again here in 2019 and, and move into 2020 with some some fairly good momentum. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some other issues that guy kind of sees down the pipe. I mean. Uh, with glyphosate and issues like that, yep. where's that all going to end up? Right. The uh, the opinions of the world today, uh, you know, there's there's two sides to every story when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, some of the the non rural people don't understand that, but um, they'll learn one way or another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's true. And uh, the non rural people are also the first ones to complain about high priced food too. So. We do, right? Yeah. That's right. So Exactly. That's right. So Well, Kirk, I feel like we've uh, been going here for a while. I think we've solved all the world's problems here for the for this episode of the Moving Iron <laughs> Podcast. So if folks wanted to reach out yeah. to you and, and ask you a few questions or just uh, maybe check out some of those combines you got, how would they do that? Well, we've got uh, our website, com, and we have a pre-owned site at freeown.pattisonag.com so you can check out some of our combines uh, give me a call at the Swift Current store or, or my counterpart over in the east, Trent in Yorkton and and uh, give us a call and of course we've got around 65 sales and we'll be more than happy to help you know anyone uh, with some equipment needs and uh, you know yeah we're, uh, we're ready to move some iron and ready to get planting and get the spring underway yep I hear you, get things rolling man Kurt, I appreciate you being on here, buddy, and it's been a it's been a pleasure. I hope we get to work together a little bit in the future here, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be in touch. Maybe see you down in Nashville this year. Okay, sounds very good. Uh, appreciate the invite and the time, and uh, everybody have a safe and uh, good good planting season. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.
again Through the years you'll find us here 